0: Hey, Merry Christmas, get, take it take it in, take it in, there you go. <laughs> Merry Christmas, happy ugly sweater Wednesday. Uh, I'm really excited to be here. I walked in and Brian said, I'm not gonna hear one thing you say tonight. So I hope we can kind of get on and keep moving. I, I thought about it, I was like, I don't know if this is a good idea, not a good idea, but I went with it because it is a great idea. Like, how could this not be a fantastic idea? <laughs> My name is Josh, I'm one of the pastors here. It is great to be with you guys tonight. Um, Merry Christmas. Uh, Welcome to the final Wednesday before our Christmas Eve services. Um, now you're thinking, wait, no, next Wednesday is not Christmas Eve. Don't worry, some of you guys just had a heart attack. Like, what? No, no, next Wednesday we won't be having service here, um, but Friday and Saturday will be our Christmas Eve services. So this is the last Wednesday night before Christmas Eve, and I'm just so excited to be here with you guys. Um, <clears throat> if you're new or if you haven't been here for a couple of weeks, We've been in a series called Source of Light, and we've been talking about um, the differences between the kingdom of light and the kingdom of darkness. And I want to take just a couple minutes here to go back and and recap a little bit of what we talked about, because it's so important uh, for where we're going tonight. So we talked about how Jesus is our source of light, and we, we get the scripture from Isaiah 9 when Isaiah prophesies and says, a great light is coming, and those who have been in deep darkness, a light is showing on you. And that is a very famous Christmas verse. He goes on to say unto us, a child is born, to us, a son is given, and the government will be upon his shoulders. And so we talked about Jesus is this source of light, but he didn't just come to this earth to die, but he came to this earth to establish his kingdom. And his kingdom is a kingdom of light, and that we are all citizens, at least we've all been citizens at one point. We we're all born citizens of the kingdom of darkness. But, it, but those who have surrendered to Jesus get transported into the kingdom of light, and we talked about what that means and what that looks like, and how when light comes into our lives, it brings form where there was once formlessness, and it brings filling where there was once emptiness, and, and form brings purpose, and that filling is a filling of life. So when, when we enter into this kingdom of light, this kingdom that Jesus came to bring to earth, we, what we get is we get purpose and we get life. It's a beautiful thing. We talked about this kingdom and how so often Christians, um, we reduce the kingdom of God, we reduce being a, king, uh, being a Christian to just a bunch of rules and regulations, a bunch of do's and do nots. We talked a lot about that the last couple of weeks, about how the kingdom of God is not just about doing and not doing, right? To be a Christian means I got to show up at church on time and I can't bet the ponies, right? Because we're back in the 1950s when people bet on ponies. But... But it was about do this and don't do that. And we've so kind of boiled down being a Christian to that when that's not what it's about at all. You know, and, and, and The verse that we relied heavy on is, comes from Romans chapter 14. And, and, and the Christians back then were doing the same thing that we're doing today. Unfortunately, we haven't got it yet. And there's these Christians in Rome, and they're pointing fingers at each other. And they're more than just pointing fingers at each other. They were just like, figuratively at least killing each other, destroying each other. They're going after each other saying, no, you can't eat that food. And these guys are saying, yes, we can. You can't tell me I can't do this. I have grace. No, you don't. And and just going back and forth. Fortunately, it doesn't sound familiar for us, but for them, that was what they were doing. And, And Paul writes them. He says, no, you guys, the kingdom of God is not about do's and do not's. He says, the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. But the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. And so that's what we've been talking about the last several weeks is this kingdom of God being a kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. And how we enter that, how we walk through that. And so my question I want to start with is, have you experienced any joy this Christmas season? How many of you guys would say, yeah, I've experienced joy this Christmas season? Wow, like four of you guys, that is, oh man, that's a sad group of people in here. I'm sorry, You know how many of you guys have experienced some joy this Christmas season? Yeah, we, we do, we experience joy, it's Christmas time, and, and it feels like joy's kind of everywhere, especially at Christmas, right? Like joy to the world, Joy, you can only get 2.1% financing on your credit card, right? Your Capital One credit card. I love that commercial it just gets me every time, right? Jennifer Gardner and her dad, and he's like, ah, oh, you're my daughter, and I have a Capital One credit card because you're on the commercials. Can I say it, sweetheart? And she says, go ahead, Dad. He looks at the camera. What's in your wallet, right? Like, so happy because... It's Christmas time and I'm with my daughter and I have my Capital One credit card, right? Like, I don't know if you heard the news, but we can celebrate Christmas a little more excited this year because we won the Battle of the Cup for Starbucks, right? Starbucks put Christmas back on their cup. I don't remember last year it was just red and they took away Christmas, but we won, folks. They put Christmas back on the cup. So again, more reason to celebrate. Yeah, there it is, clapping because we have Christmas back on the Starbucks cup. See, we, we look for strange different places to find joy at Christmas time. And some of it is, yeah, it's great. We have family, we have friends, we have relatives coming, we find joy in, in you know, seeing children run around at Christmas time excited for what's to come. We find joy in you know, what's under the Christmas tree. And, and all these things are true, all these things are great, all these things are, are, are to give us joy and, and, and it, we should celebrate them, we should enjoy these things. But I have a question for you is, what do you kind of think of when you think of the word joy? Like what comes to mind? What, what pops in your head the first thing when I say joy? I think a lot of us would say a lot of different things, but I think one thing that we don't really focus on, one thing that doesn't come to mind is Jesus. I don't think Jesus is usually the top of our list when we say the word joy. Now, Jesus is at the top of our list for a lot of other things, you know, purity and righteousness and holiness and forgiveness, but what about joy? Is Jesus at the top of your list when when you when you think of joy, I think so often we relate more to the idea that Jesus wept than that Jesus showed up to a party when he did his first miracle. Like you realize that Jesus' first miracle was at a party and, and he wasn't there just to do his miracle, right? Like he showed up to a wedding and he wasn't planning to do any miracles, but his mom talked him into it, right? Like he literally showed up to hang out and have a party, I remember just growing up and even like as a young adult, thinking of Jesus like this serious person all the time. Like, yeah, of course he showed up to a wedding party the same way a principal would show up to prom. I'm just here to make sure things don't get out of control. Right, watch your hands, mister. Hey, how many drinks of wine is that for you? I think that's enough. Right, like that's kinda how I viewed Jesus so often, was like, he's just here to make sure things don't get out of control. That's why he showed up to a party. He couldn't have possibly showed up because he got invited. He could have possibly showed up because he had friends there and he wanted to go and have a good time and, and have a party and, and, and enjoy the situation, enjoy the party, enjoy the wedding. I think so often we don't really think of Jesus in these terms as, as joyful, as establishing a kingdom of joy. We think of it as more of, of serious nature. But do you realize that Jesus came and he experienced joy on earth? He experienced happiness, he experienced pleasure, he experienced these things, and he actually, he also came so that you could experience joy. Like, Jesus came so you could experience joy, and I don't mean the joy that you experience, like, after you get your taxes done. You know what I'm talking about? It's like, oh, that was a joy. Don't have to do that for another year. I'm glad that's out of the way, and there's a sense of, like, accomplishment and joy, like, whew, that's done. That's not what I'm talking about. When I say joy, I'm talking about something that we don't talk a lot about in church. I don't know if we know if we're allowed to talk about it in church. I think it's a word that we don't really know what to do with. And it's this word called pleasure. Pleasure. Jesus came to establish pleasure for us. Is that true? Am I allowed to say that? Am I allowed to preach that? That's that's we don't always view that as Christians. We don't view Jesus as enjoying pleasures in this world and came to establish pleasure for us. But that's exactly what he did. In fact, King David, who is called the man after God's own heart, right? The only one in the Bible who's called the man after God's own heart, right? You have like Moses, who was the most humble man to ever live, according to Moses, right? You have, you know, you have Ehud, the left-handed judge, but you don't have. Anyone else called the man after God's own heart? And what did this man, who is after God's own heart, say about our God? I love this. In Psalm 16, verse 11, David says this. He says, you have have made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand are the pleasures forevermore. Did you hear that? In God's right hand are pleasures forevermore. You have been made known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. And in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. Church, do you realize that while Jesus was on earth, he smiled? Like, do you realize that? Our God is a God who smiles, who enjoyed life. But we so often don't think about him that way. And there's a lot of reasons why. Of course, we read in Scripture, he wept, and there's different things we read about Jesus, but I think one of the reasons, too, might be because of some of his representatives here on earth today, that we don't think about Jesus as joyful. But we'll get to that in a little bit. But Jesus was a man who was full of joy. He smiled. And for some of us, we need to take that to heart. We have joy in our life, and what we need to let happen is let our face know that there's joy in our heart, right? You know the song, the Sunday school song, I got the joy, 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 joy down in my heart. Some of us sing, we got the joy, 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 joy buried deep down in my heart. Don't worry, it's not coming out until I die, right? Until I stand before God, then I'll be joyful, right? No, some of us need to let our face know that Jesus lives in our hearts, and and enjoy this life and smile and experience things that God has for us with joy in our hearts and joy in our life. See, God's kingdom is a kingdom of joy, and we need to know that and understand that today and start living that out. See, Jesus came to establish his kingdom of joy. See, that's what God's kingdom is about Jesus came so that we could have joy-filled lives. I love this passage in, in, in John. Jesus says in John 10.10, 10, he says, I have come that you might have joy and have it abundantly. I have come that you may have joy and have it abundantly. Eugene, Eugene Peterson in, in his message Bible says it like this. I love this. I have come so that they may have a real and eternal life, a more and better life than they ever dreamed of. I have come that you might have a better life than you ever could have dreamed of. Now, again, when I was learning this growing up, I used to think this passage was talking about eternal life, like after we die, right? Well, of course we get to have an abundant life after I die and go to heaven. That's not what he's talking about at all. That's not what Jesus is talking about. Jesus is saying here on earth, right now, today, I have come that you may have an abundant life. And is that what you experience when you experience Jesus? Are you experiencing that abundant life? Are you experiencing his kingdom here on earth? The other day I had a conversation with my son. He, uh, he's in Iwanas. And so he's memorizing a lot of scripture. And he's, he's like really hard after memorizing scripture. It's awesome. Um, his motivation might not be great, but it's really cool. He's very competitive. He's like, dad, I got to know more verses than anyone else in my class. Before anyone else in my class, know him because I got to be better. Right? Like that's, that's his motivation, but hey, I'll take it. He's super competitive. Clearly he gets it for my wife. But, uh, but he's memorizing scripture. And so the verse he was working on was <laughs> Revelation 21.1. It says, and I saw a new heaven and a new earth. The old had, go- had, the old had gone and the new had come. And so we're working on this, and all of a sudden my son looks at me. He's like, Dad, I don't get it. I said, what do you mean? He's like, I don't, I don't get this verse. What does this mean? What does it mean I saw a new heaven and a new earth? What does it mean the old is gone? I, what, what does that mean? I said, well, Cyrus, it means that one day all of this is gonna go away and God is going to come here on earth and live with us and he's like really i said yeah he said will we be able to see god i said absolutely i said you see cyrus when we die we go to heaven and and we stand before a great judge our great god but then after that after that great day we're all coming back to earth and God's remaking it all new like he was originally. And we're gonna live on this earth in perfection and there'll be no pain, there'll be no sorrow. It'll be joy and pleasure 24 seven. We won't even sleep. And my son was like, wow, that sounds awesome. I said, I know, doesn't it? He's like, well, when does that happen? I said, I, I don't know, buddy. The Bible doesn't say when it's gonna happen, but we know it's gonna happen someday. And he was like, wow, that, that is so amazing. He was so excited about it. And then I, I came to church and I did breakaway that night and come home and my kids are always in bed when I come home from Sunday night youth group and came home and he's in bed and he's just sitting in bed, and he's smiling. And I walk in, I said, Cyrus, what are you smiling about? He's like, dad, new heaven and new earth. I said, oh yeah? And he's like, yeah, I'm really excited. And he said, do you think it might happen tomorrow? And I said, it could, I don't know, buddy. he said do you think it'll happen after Wednesday? I said, probably, but why are you asking? He's like, well, I won student of the month and my assembly's on Wednesday and I'm really looking forward to getting my award. (laughs) So I'm hoping that Jesus doesn't come back until after Wednesday. I said, buddy, you're probably pretty safe on that. He said, but maybe Thursday? I said, Cyrus, maybe. I said, this was was spoken about 2,000 years ago. He's like, whoa. I said, it might be another 2,000 years, or it might be Thursday. I said, we don't know, buddy. But the childlike understanding of the kingdom of God being a kingdom of joy, church, this this needs to be our attitude when we think about the kingdom of God. That yes, we have a greater yet to come. Yes, there is a joy unending that we will never experience sorrow again one day, but we can experience that joy here today. It's why Jesus came to establish his kingdom on earth today, not for just future, but for right now. When he says, I've come to give you life and give it to you to the full, he means right now that what you're experiencing in this life should be an abundant life full of joy in it. You see, we all want joy We all want joy in our life, every one of us. It doesn't matter who you are in this room, who you are in this planet, whether you believe in God or you don't, it doesn't matter. We all want joy in our lives, every single one of us. In fact, psychologists and sociologists going back like centuries would say that every human being is constantly in a pursuit of pleasure. In fact, they would say that every decision that you make is a decision after pleasure. In in fact, they would go as far as to say that every decision you make is a decision for pleasure, including hurting yourself, that every time you make a choice, it's a choice after pleasure, including hurting yourself thinking that this will make me feel better, this will make me happy, this will make the pain stop, this will make me feel better about myself, that every decision we make is a decision after pleasure, and that's all of us, Christians and non-Christians alike, male, female, rich, poor, it doesn't matter, that our, our decisions that we make are a decision after pleasure, and I don't think I don't think that's a bad thing. I don't think that's incorrect, and I don't think that's part of our sinful nature. In fact, I think that's more of the nature of God, because every single one of us is created in his image, and and so if we're created in his image, we have attributes that he has, and one of those, I believe, is a pursuit of pleasure, and I don't think it's part of our sinful nature, because we see Jesus have this pursuit as well. What did Jesus say right before he went, what was said about Jesus right before he went to the cross was he endured the cross for the pleasure and the joy set before him. He knew that this pain that he was gonna be going through, that it was going to be at the end of the day cause pleasure and joy for him as he gets to be in relationship with his people again. It was a pursuit of joy that he even went to the cross. And so I think that this, this is who we are. This is how we're designed. And in fact, there's, there's something called the Westminster's Catechism. The Westminster Catechism is this kind of small book of, of doctrines of Scripture. And what it was it was written back in the 1600s, and it was the, the English. Um, church leaders getting together with the Scottish church leaders because their nations were at conflict with each other. And so they wanted to come together to bring unity. And so they wrote this thing down called a catechism. And what it does is it walks through scripture, it walks through the Bible, and it just asks a biblical theological question. And then it answers the biblical theological question backed up with Scripture. And there's what's called the Westminster Shorter Catechism, which just goes question, answer, question, answer, question, answer. It's a great tool. I highly suggest that you guys uh, grab one, look it up online. In fact, it's something I want to start going through with my kids with. I think our children should be able to understand theology. And so this is a great tool. And let me give you an example. The first question, there's about 120 questions in it. The very first question, the Westminster Shorter Catechism is this. It says, what is the chief end of man? In other words, in our modern English, what is our purpose? Why is man here? And this is how they answer that in the Westminster Shorter Catechism. The chief purpose of man is to glorify God by enjoying him forever. It's a pretty amazing purpose, wouldn't you think? What is your purpose? To glorify God. How? By enjoying him. By being filled with pleasure of God in my life. That is our purpose. Why are we here? To glorify God. That is what we're here. How do we glorify God? By enjoying him forever. That was the original intent of Adam and Eve in the garden. Right? God just didn't create blandness. He didn't create boringness when he created the garden. He created this amazing place for Adam and Eve to live. This amazing thing for them to enjoy each other and to enjoy him. That was their sole purpose. You see, church, Jesus came to establish a kingdom of joy. Our purpose is to experience that joy and glorify, glorify God. Romans fifteen thirteen says this, now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you believe in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Man, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. That is what God wants, to, wants for you, is to be filled with joy, to be filled with peace in your life, to encounter the deeper joys of God. Again, Psalm 1611, you've made known to me the path of life. In your presence is fullness of joy. In your right hand are pleasures forever. You see, can, can we experience pleasure outside of Jesus? Of course we can. Of course we can. No one would say you can't experience pleasure outside of Jesus. Can you experience a good time? Can you enjoy good food? Can you have good company? Of course you can. Of course you can. But the thing is, the truth is, um, is that you can't enjoy this life to the degree that God intended you to enjoy this life apart from Jesus. To, to encounter joy, you have to have an encounter with Jesus. And, and let me give you an example in case you don't understand or don't believe me. Let's say that you really enjoy getting in your side by side, heading up Jim Creek and just cruising around out at Knick on a nice warm sunny Saturday summer afternoon. Right, you, enjoy, you, you drive up if you've ever been out there and the sky is blue, no clouds in the sky, sun's beating on your face. You're going like 30 miles an hour up the trail and you're just staring at this beautiful glacier in front of you. Man, what you will experience is pleasure. What you will experience is joy. You will experience this. But when you come to the end of it, you get to the end of this joy and what you have in return is, that was amazing, I wanna do this again. That was awesome, I can't wait to come out next weekend and experience this again. Like that is the extent and that is what your joy leads you to is hoping to be able to do this again. Now somebody who is surrendered their hearts to the authority of Jesus, they go out and they get in there side by side and they're cruising up the Canick River and it's sunny and gorgeous and sun's beating on their face and they're looking at the glacier and and they see that and they get filled with a sense of pleasure and joy as well. But the difference is where, where one falls far short is all of a sudden what their pleasure and their joy leads them to do is to worship and glorify God. You see, and unless you experience Jesus, you will never worship and glorify God in that way. And so therefore, your pleasure falls short. But for someone who is, has faith in Jesus and has surrendered their life to him, our pleasures and our joys lead us to glorify God and worship him. And in that is the ultimate pleasure and the ultimate joy. You see, and that's the difference between just joy in the world and joy in the world, in God's kingdom of light, is that it leads us to worship and glorify God. And so the truth of the matter is, is if you're a Christian, you really should be serious about your pursuit of joy in your life. If you're a Christian, you should be serious about your pursuit of joy in your life. It is It is what you've been created to do, to enjoy God. Because when you're serious about your pursuit of joy, when you're serious about it, it leads you to places of glorifying God and worshiping him. I mean, really, if you think about it, by by nature, we're hedonists. By nature, we, we are people who are supposed to be in pursuit of joy, but that joy is to bring us into worship and glorifying God. It's an amazing thing that this is what Jesus came to establish. This is not what we typically think about when we think about the kingdom of heaven. This is not what we typically think about. We think about it's a matter of eating and drinking, like Paul says in Romans. It's not a matter of eating and drinking, but we always want to go back to making it about a matter of eating and drinking. We always want to make it about something else, about doing the right thing, about earning that righteousness, about being good enough, about being holy enough, about praying enough, reading enough, but no, it's not about that. You see, it's about a pursuit of joy. It's about a pursuit of pleasure that brings us to a place of worship, that brings us to a place of glorifying our God. It's interesting, experiencing joy. Do you realize, Paul says, that the kingdom's about righteousness, peace, and joy, that two-thirds of the kingdom is an emotional state? It's really interesting. Two-thirds of the kingdom of God is an emotional state, which means that our emotions don't have to be tied into the circumstances around us. Our emotions don't have to be tied into what is happening here on earth and around us to continue to experience peace and joy. See, it's only Jesus that can ensure that we continue to have peace and we continue to have joy. Now, does that mean that we won't walk through difficult times, that we won't feel sadness, that we won't feel fear, that we won't feel these things? No, of course it doesn't mean any of that. Only a fool would say that. Like, yeah, once you become a Christian, you're just happy all the time. (laughs) How's that working out? (laughs) No. But what it does mean is that my emotions don't have to be tied into to things around me they don't have to be tied into people or circumstances but that's so often how we live like I will be happy and I will experience joy as long as this is happening and this is going on we talked a lot about that last week that we we experience peace when we are in control right but remember our control is just an illusion so our peace so often is tied into an illusion because we're not actually in control of anything We can be good stewards of our health and our finances and our family, but control it? No, we can't do that. And it's the same with our joy, when we tie our joy into how much I have or how healthy I am or this relationship's going really well right now. Because all of those things are going to go away. And so we don't wanna tie ourselves, our joy and our peace into those things around us, but when they're tied into the kingdom of God, man, that is not going away. And in fact, we're encouraged to continue to pursue that joy, to continue to have peace in our lives. You see, but the question is, is how do we do that as Christians? How do we continue to experience joy even when things are difficult, even when it's rough, even when I don't feel joy in my life per se? How do we do that? Well, Jesus tells us so simply in John chapter 15, if you keep my commandments you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments and abide in his love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. Jesus, I speak these things to you so my joy will be in you, and when my joy is in you, your joy will be full. What does Jesus say? How do we experience joy? By keeping his commandments and abiding in his love. You see, righteousness, the first piece of God's kingdom, and we've talked a lot about it, but righteousness is what brings us into God's kingdom. Righteousness says that we stand right and perfect before the king, not because you've earned it, not because you deserve it, not because you've done enough good deeds, not because you came to church enough times or read enough Bible verses or memorized enough Bible verses. That does not get you righteousness. Righteousness can only be received. It's this amazing thing that you receive the fact that now you stand perfect before God. And through righteousness, we have peace. We have peace with God and man. But you see, righteousness says that who you are is far more important than what you do. The very nature of righteousness says who you are is so much more important than what you do. And so if you want to experience This joy unending that Jesus talks about, this fullness of joy, he says, abide in me. Well, how do you abide in Christ? By obeying my commandments. Okay, well, how do we obey your commandments? What commandments are you talking about? Well, fortunately for us, Jesus goes right on in the next verse. And he says, I command that you love each other. How do you experience joy? How do you abide in Christ? You love each other. You love each other. And Jesus in another part of scripture says, hey, here's what you need to know. Two most important commandments. Love God, love each other. You see, but so many people would go, well, that's what we're trying to do, Josh. We're just all trying to love each other. You see, this is not a all you need is love type of situation. Because if that was the case, it would have worked by now, I think. I really do. I think if it really was all you need is love, then that would have worked already because there's a lot of people out there trying to just love everyone's problems away. And that's great and that's good and and, and I'm not speaking down on them and we do need to take care of each other. We do need to love each other but it's not all you need is love, it's all you need is God. See, God is love and Jesus says, if you're abiding in me, well then you're, you're gonna be loving each other. See, love your brother, that's how you abide in Christ and so for loving people, through the kingdom perspective, through righteousness and peace, and we're loving each other through Jesus, well then yeah, we're abiding and we're being in who we are is more important than what we do. You see, also, if we're loving each other as the body of Christ, if we're loving each other when somebody is in pain, when somebody is hurting, when somebody is going through a difficult time, what are we called to do? We're called to mourn with those who mourn to rejoice with those who rejoice. And so if you're going through a difficult time and you know you have this family, this body of Christ, this kingdom around you that's mourning with you, doesn't that bring a little sense of at least peace in your life and a little joy to know, man, there's somebody out there who cares about me. There's somebody out there who's, who's going to walk this with me. Man, I'll tell you, I've been through some pain in my life and and while there's been moments where it's like, no, I'm not super happy and I'm not experiencing joy right now. At the same time, in my mind, there's like, man, I know I belong to Christ. I know that there's people who are coming along who are walking this with me. And, and there is a sense of joy in that. There is a sense of glorifying God. There is a sense of worshiping God in that. And so in that, there is a sense of joy. Like we experience joy when we worship and glorify God from our hearts and so if we're loving each other and we're walking alongside each other, helping each other out, being there for each other, weeping when we weep and rejoicing when we rejoice, then yes, there will, that will bring us to a place of worship where we can still experience joy because our joy is not tied into the circumstances. The joy is not tied into to people and what's going on because if your joy is tied into a person, that person will die someday. They will. And then does that mean your joy is gone forever? Or does that mean that your joy is tied into a kingdom? And yes, why, you will absolutely experience pain. I'm not saying, again, that when when we walk in God's kingdom, we don't have pain and we don't have have hardships, but we, we can still experience peace and joy in our lives. See, Jesus' commandment was for us to glorify God by loving each other, enjoying his pleasures, and loving God and each other, abiding in God's love. See, but Jesus is not always associated with joy. He's just not. That might be in part, like I said earlier, because of some of his representatives here on earth. You see, we need to be marked by people who are joyful in our lives. You see, and when we, when we lose sight of that, what we end up doing is we make secondary things primary, and we make primary things secondary. And what I mean by that is the primary thing is who you are. That's what righteousness says. The secondary thing is what we do. And what we do is important. Paul writes in other passages, yet yeah, don't continue to sin, just so grace may abound. He doesn't say that, but but the primary thing is who you are and who you are in Christ. And are you in this kingdom of light? Are you in this kingdom of righteousness, peace, and joy? But so often as Christians, we we make secondary things primary, and, and we get all, all kind of bent out of shape over you know Starbucks cards or Starbucks cups and abbreviations for our holiday like this war we will win the war we may have lost the battle right but Christmas is under attack no it's not it's not stop making secondary issues primary things and that's when we find ourselves losing our joy because we're not we're not focused anymore on on the kingdom of God you see we start focusing on other things to bring us joy and pleasure in this world you see, but the pleasures of the world won't satisfy us. You see, the pleasures of the world won't make us happy. They will for a short time. Anybody would be a fool to say that the pleasures of the world, and what I mean by that is sinful things, the kingdom of darkness. The kingdom of darkness has momentary pleasures in it. Of course it does. Jesus even says, yeah, of course, sin is pleasurable for a season. But, but that, that pleasure leads to, to shame and guilt and sorrow. When we seek and we go down these and we follow these pleasures, when we make primary things secondary, secondary things primary, it takes us off course. But when we search for pleasure in any other way, and when I say any other way, I mean sinful things. I don't mean pleasures of going out and enjoying a good hike in the woods. I don't mean going out and enjoying good food and good company, going out and, and, and doing things that bring you pleasure Yeah, absolutely we're supposed to do those things because those are supposed to take us to a place of worship. Worship is not just, you know, Sunday morning, here's worship time and we have our worship time and now go out the rest of your week and do your thing and come back and worship God. No, every day should be filled with joy in your life and you find yourself praising and worshiping God. You see, Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, he experienced this. He, He writes about it in Ecclesiastes. Solomon, who had everything, had everything anyone could want. He had God, and then he said, you know what? I want to see if there's other pleasures out there. I want to see if there's other joys. And he pursued everything. He went after drugs. He went after arts. He went after sex. He went after good food. He went after music. He went after everything to find pleasure in his life because he wanted to see, is there anything else that brings pleasure like God does? And what he finds is a very famous passage. I want to read it to you. It's Ecclesiastes 12.1. He says, remember also your creator in the days of your youth, before the evil days come and and the years draw near, which you will say, I have no pleasure in them. You see, when we pursue things other than God, yeah, we'll have pleasure for a season. Solomon did. And trust me, (laughs) he had more than you have. He experienced more than you could possibly experience. He spent a lifetime pursuing pleasure in every way the world had to offer. And at the end of it, he said, don't forget about God. God was the only thing that brought pleasure. Don't forget about him until it's too late and you come to the place where you say, I have no pleasure. You see, church, our purpose is to pursue God. Our purpose is to pursue pleasure. That's that's what we're about, is glorifying God by enjoying Him. So yes, go out this holiday season, this Christmas time, enjoy good food, enjoy good wine, enjoy good company, enjoy the presents you're going to receive, enjoy the presents you're going to give, enjoy family. But let that bring you to a place of glorifying and worshiping God. And not make it about a matter of eating and drinking. Not make it about secondary issues. But make it about who you are in Christ. Man, if you're in this room and you're saying, "Man, I'm not in Christ, I want to challenge you tonight. I want to challenge you to really look deep into that. Challenge what I'm saying and say, man, is, is this something I could really pursue? A life pursuing pleasure to glorify God? Ask questions. Grab someone around you. I want to challenge you to to really pursue that and, and, and test that out even tonight. That you would ask, man, is Jesus really able to fill my heart and my life with a joy so much deeper than what I've ever experienced before? And if you really go after that, I already know what the answer to that question is. But church, church, if you're here tonight, don't allow your joy don't allow your joy to be caught up. Don't allow those, your emotions to be caught up in what's happening around you, the things that aren't working out or are working out. But allow your joy to be tied into this kingdom that Jesus came. Righteousness, peace, and joy. Do those describe your life tonight? Do those describe who you are? Imagine if we all went out this week and we lived a life of righteousness, peace, and joy. Do you think that would attract the world? Do you think that would be a thing that would attract people who don't know Jesus if we all pursued joy together, but did it in a way that brought us to worship and glorifying God? Let's pray. Jesus, I thank you for this night. God, I thank you that (laughs) you came to establish your kingdom, and that kingdom is righteousness, peace, and joy. God, there is nothing better than that. That is who you are. God, you are righteous. God, you bring peace. God, and you are a joyful God. Lord, I pray that we could understand that tonight and and allow that to transform us. God, that if we are followers of you, that we'd be serious about our pursuit of pleasure. God, and that pursuit would bring us to a place of worshiping you, glorifying you. God, as we, as we do that in our lives, Jesus, let that be what earmarks us. Let that be what the world sees around us. Not people arguing back and forth and what you can and cannot do, but God, people who are glorifying you because their hearts and their lives are filled with joy. God, in your right hand are pleasures forevermore. God, and we, those are here for us right now. We, we ask that we would walk in that. Lord, we don't even have to ask for it. It's already here with us now. Jesus, I just pray we'd walk in that truth. And God, for those who are struggling to experience joy in their life right now due to circumstances around them, God, I just pray that we would come surround them, God, and love them, Jesus, like you commanded us to, and that they would begin to feel and see and and experience that sense of joy in their life. We love you, Jesus. We ask all this in your name. Amen.